This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. We are officially in Super Bowl week. Finally, you know, get all those days out of the way and focus on the game that's coming up on Sunday, the Eagles and the Chiefs. We are doing this podcast on Monday, February 6th. It is episode number 51 of the Mike Missanelli Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app, make your bet. It's one and a half right now. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm thinking the uh, Eagles could cover that. So our special guest today is we, uh, he's, he's calling, he, he's actually in Arizona. So I'm looking forward to, to the interview with uh, Jimmy Kemsky, who covers the Eagles for Philly Voice. And, and Jimmy, this is amazing because you, you, you've been on the beat just for, I don't know how, how many years, but two Super Bowls, which is not fair to a lot of people <laughs> who've been covering it like for 50 years. Yeah. You get Super Bowls in a short window of time. So, how do you welcome to to the podcast? Thank and, you. Uh, you are in Arizona right now. I want to get you to set the scene, but 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 speak to the to the fortune of co- I don't know if it's a fortune or it makes you busier of covering a Super Bowl, two Super Bowls in in five years. My first year on the beat was 2013. So this, I guess, was my tenth season uh, covering the Eagles. First year, of course, I was treated to you know all the. Uh, innovations and craziness of the first Chip Kelly training camp and then the first Chip Kelly season, which was very fun. It went downhill thereafter, of course. And then, as you said, like, uh, you know, 2017, covered the Super Bowl, Super Bowl team, covered this Super Bowl team as well in 2022. It's fun covering, like, really bad teams, too, and got to do that in 2015 and then obviously in 2020. So, uh, yeah, it's been – this team, just generally speaking, compared to other teams around the NFL, they're always doing something. Howie's always doing something, whether it be with trade, signings, whatever. And then there's always just the – I love being in this town. Like, I used to live in North Jersey, and they'd be talking about the Yankees in – like December, January, and it's the opposite here where it's all Eagles all the time, even like during the summer in May and June. So that's it's, it's a great beat to, to be a part of. Yeah, I, in a way, it's got to be more fun to cover bad teams because you just unleash on them. But, yeah, uh, for sure. But, but, you know, and, and this uh, uh, this uh, success run 
in this city is is very unprecedented and, and unusual. And uh, a lot of people, including me, I really don't know how to handle it. This prosperity, uh, but uh, but let's talk about this game. Now you you've arrived in in Arizona. You're in, you're in Phoenix right now. I'm in my hotel room in Phoenix right now. Yep. Okay. So uh, so set the scene on how you will approach this week as a journalist covering the Eagles for the Philly Voice. Yeah. So I'll. First, I guess I'll start with the last time, which was in Minnesota. And I'd wake up in the morning and I check my phone. And if it said minus two, I'd be like, boom, balmy today. I mean, there were there was one day it was like minus 25. And all the media availability was at the Mall of America. And it's a huge parking lot, as you might understand, surrounding the entire Mall of America. And there are hotels sort of on the outskirts of the, uh, you know, the giant parking lot. And it was like, you know, 0.4 miles or so from the hotel to the front door of the Mall of America. And there was one morning that so it was so cold that they had shuttles that would take you over there. And there was one morning the shuttle just wasn't ready. And it was it was like, like I said, it was like minus 25. I gotten out of the shower. I was I dried myself off, of course. But like I had, you know, that, you know, post shower sort of moisture kind of face. And I walked the 0.4 miles from the hotel to the Mall of America. And it was sunny, too. So I had sunglasses on, got inside, tried to take the sunglasses off. They were like frozen to my face, literally frozen to my face. So <laughs> there wasn't like much to do aside from just being in the Mall of America covering all the – that's where the media access was. And otherwise, I didn't do anything. Like I didn't try to venture into you know downtown Minneapolis or anything. So it was just head down, work, 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 right, right, right. And uh, I'm going to be doing that for the most part here Probably from, I mean, from the time I landed today or yesterday, rather, uh, until, you know, like Thursday night. Friday will be the day that I kind of pick my head up and try to look around a little bit. Uh, But certainly the weather here is, I mean, it's like 60s, 70s. I did the John Clark Airport thing uh, yesterday, you know, kind of being there when when the Eagles plane landed and when they got off the plane. Uh, So that was fun. It was like 70 degrees out there. It was awesome. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a much better location than it was last time. And, uh, yeah, so it'll be very busy the first four or five days. But uh, hopefully I can have some fun on Friday and Saturday. Well, it's a, it's actually a hardship. It's like when people go to college and they, they tell me they're, they're going to go to Arizona State or University of Miami. <laughs> yes. Go, How in the world do you study? You know, <laughs> yeah. you're, in, you're in Arizona and the temptation to do stuff outside, play golf, play a little tennis, whatever, kind of takes you, diverts your attention away from, from the job. But uh, just to share, I, you know, I was in Minneapolis also, and we were at that Mall of America doing our shows all week. And... Uh, I couldn't believe that they had a Super Bowl there. It, it, it kept going away. Like, what kind of an idea was this that anybody had? Because all the activities were outside. And um, I, I tried to go outside because I had heard Minneapolis had some really good steakhouses. Mm-hmm. And I was going to meet a friend at a steakhouse. And I'm walking downtown, and it's, it's snowing, but it's like wind snow. So it's like blowing snow. And, and so I go, okay, I can see it's coming from east to west. So I'll go, I'll walk south to north. <laughs> and it's, and then the snow would shift south to north. And everywhere I turned, it was like God was up there going, yeah, screw you. Here comes it from this angle. Here it comes from this angle. I, I, it was mind boggling to me to be in that Super Bowl venue. But um, as you're now um, in a comfortable, more comfortable environment, what storylines do you look for? Because you've written almost every storyline. Mm-hmm. And so here comes the Super Bowl. You got to find fresh angles, and I'm curious to know how you do, how you approach that. 
Yeah, I think you just let them come to you. So I already had story ideas sort of planned before I came out. Like I have a list of like, you know, seven, eight things that I I ultimately want to get to. And if I, you know, sort of ask questions and get good answers to those questions to the, you know, players during availability, coaches during availability, then I'll write those stories. And if I don't, then those stories will probably get spiked. They'll go right in the trash. So like, uh, but, but again, like I just, I'll just kind of let, um, you know, the story ideas come to me, basically just talk to as many players, coaches, uh, et cetera, as I can. And, and if somebody has something interesting to say, then uh, I'll kind of divert from whatever plan I had uh, coming out here and, and, and kind of go in another route. So you got to, got to be open to what you're, um, you know, going to cover uh, as, as opposed to having like a rigid plan on the way out here, but you also kind of have to have a plan <laughs> in case, uh, you know, you need something to write or whatever. But um, you know, the, the, the week of coverage is so, we have so much, I guess, um, access this week, starting tonight, Monday, with the, the the huge event, which every media outlet there is covers, not just the sports outlets like NFL Network, uh, ESPN, uh, etc. It's like every Comedy Central's there, like HBO will be there. There's all kinds of just crazy, wacky stuff going on uh, at this event. So that'll be fun, and uh, I'll see what I can get out of that. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday... There's availability. There's Chiefs and Eagles availability at their respective hotels every day, uh, so we'll get plenty of FaceTime with, with the players and the coaches. And if you can, I'll, I'll say it like this: if you can't come up with good story ideas this week, just get out of just get out of the business. <laughs> like you don't you don't deserve to be here. There's so much stuff that you can do that you like. One, three people can't possibly get to all of it. Uh, so yeah, the, I I assume that. Uh, Eagles uh, reader people who like reading about the Eagles and podcasts, listen to podcasts and whatever. They're, they're not going to be able to even to get to all the good content that gets pumped out this week by everyone that's out here. Well, and tomorrow is media day, right? Tonight is tonight is the media day or tonight. So tomorrow tonight, don't they have their little stations that they do? Yeah. So that's the big, the big one is tonight. And then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll have a chance to, I mean, it's a little more casual. We'll get to, you know, interview chiefs, Eagles, players, coaches, etc. Okay. So let's, let's look at the game and, and the storylines that, that are involved here. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you assess the match? I mean, this is a pretty even matchup when you look at the number one passing uh, uh, team versus the number one pass defense team and uh, the, the RPO mm-hmm. success that Kansas City doesn't have. All, all these little uh, storylines play out. So uh, assess what you see right now as the Eagles are a point and a half favorite. How do you see this play out? Yeah, from like the 60,000 foot view, I think it resembles the last Super Bowl in some ways in that you're playing the best player in the game. Like last time it was Tom Brady, this time it's Patrick Mahomes. And Tom Brady won the MVP that year, and Patrick Mahomes is almost certainly going to win the MVP this year. So you have that one st- like stud player that everyone's worried about. And then you look at the rest of the rosters, and you go, mm, Eagles have a substantial advantage otherwise. And I think that was true last time, and I think it's true this time. And I think when you drill down even further – they have substantial advantages in the trenches. So the, the Chiefs have a very good offensive line. In fact, their left tackle, left guard, center uh, are all in the Pro Bowl. The Eagles, of course, have probably the best, not probably, they have the best uh, offensive line in the NFL and no weaknesses. The one weakness that the Chiefs do have on their offensive line is at right tackle, Andrew Wiley. And he, of course, is going to be 
challenged by Hassan Reddick, who like has been a complete dominant beast at nine and a half sacks, three forced fumbles in the last uh, six games, completely wrecked uh, the 49ers game uh, for, for them uh, in that game. And, and I mean, that's going to be their, from their perspective, that's going to be their challenge heading into this matchup. Uh, but the Eagles are just so good in the trenches and otherwise, and they have a quarterback this time around who, by the way, also very good. And, um, you know, I think when you look at these two quarterbacks, they're both, they both have injury concerns with Mahomes dealing with his ankle injury and Mahomes, or excuse me, Hurts. Um, I, I think we we haven't seen the same Hurts during the playoffs that we saw the first three months of the season. Accuracy maybe a little bit off, not throwing with the same power down the field, uh, maybe not running with the same type of, uh, you know, reckless abandon as he did earlier in the year. Uh, so we'll see if the extra two weeks, uh, you know, help both or either of those guys uh, recover from those injuries even further. But I like the Eagles in this game. I think that um, the, the the rest of the roster is just a lot better than the rest of the Chiefs roster. And the quarterback difference, you know, certainly advantage Chiefs, but maybe not as big as it, as we perceived it to be anyway the last time around with Nick with uh, uh, Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. All right, so uh... – let's bring up a couple things. Let's talk about Jalen, first of all, because he did not look like he was throwing the ball very well last mm-hmm. week. And uh, I don't know what Spagnuolo is probably going to come up with some plan to st- stop these RPOs or just to curtail it. And, uh, but th- there might be a time when he has to win a game throwing the football. The Eagles yeah. have been able to control almost every game and, and stay with their game plan of running the football and using these RPOs to keep everybody off stride. They've been in control most of the time. They might not be in control. They might have to come from behind in this game, depending on how – because Kansas City can score. So what did you see with him throwing the football last week? And do you think in, in this shorter period of time it's all going to go away and he'll be fine? Yeah, he missed a deep throw, obviously, to uh, A.J. Brown. They could have broken that game open, like, right off the bat. Uh, second possession after the Hassan Reddick, you know, sack fumble recovery. Uh, it could have been 14-0, like, immediately, and he missed that throw. He missed another throw deep down the field uh, to A.J. Brown. Just threw it out of bounds. Didn't even give him a chance to make a play on that ball. So, I would say his accuracy and and, and the intermediate to deep parts of the field have been are question marks right now uh, heading into this game. So, we'll see if he can be better in, in that aspect. I think when you look at this Chiefs defense, you know, you think Steve Spagnuolo blitzes a lot, uh, as does Wink Martindale who the with, with the Giants, who the Eagles faced uh, three times this year. And, you know, it's pick your poison. So if the Chiefs are going to blitz Hurts quite a bit, then you worry about what's going to happen on the back end. The Chiefs have really young corners. So one of them is a third-year guy in Legereus Sneed, who actually I think is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. That guy can, can play, and oftentimes the Chiefs will have him trail uh the opposing offense's best wide receiver which in this case would probably be aj brown the other two guys though are rookies so one of them is um uh man it's a seventh year i'm sorry seventh round rookie whose name is escaping me right now i'm a little embarrassed by that uh the other guy's trent mcduffie who uh is first round pick um actually trent mcduffie was a guy that a lot of people thought they were mocking to the eagles during mock draft season last year he went in like the 20s uh, in the draft, but there's the point, point being there's two rookies uh, on that back end that are going to have to deal with you know the likes of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and uh, and to, to some degree Dallas Goddard. Uh, so if if you do blitz and you don't get home with this you know elite Eagles offensive line that can pick up blitzes, then you're really susceptible on the back end. So uh, you got to be careful what you do defensively against this Eagles team that can beat you in so many different ways. Be it with as you mentioned the RPOs, the just the, the straight up run game. 
um, that the short passing game, and then they, they can be explosive down the field. Uh, so yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how the chiefs attack. And, um, and, and I think that the Eagles can counter with, with, with an answer with whatever they do. Um, Kelsey, obviously, listen, they, their receivers aren't dazzling. They're all banged up. They got two hyphen yep. guys that are, that are wide receivers. <laughs> Kelsey's the, the major player here. Uh, is it possible the Eagles gain an advantage because of the Wiley Hassan Reddick matchup that maybe Kelsey has to, to, to stay in and chip and delay the, 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 the route at all, and then he's going to have to deal with C.J. Garner-Johnson, which I think is a really good matchup for the Eagles. How, how do you see that playing out? Is that a factor at all? I mean, that's a huge win if that's how they for the Eagles if uh, if that's how the Chiefs approach it, if if uh, they're they're delaying uh, Travis Kelsey getting out on the route. They play a lot of two tight end sets, so I imagine if they're going to chip with a tight end, then that'll be the second tight end that they bring in. But you're right about the uh, about the Chiefs wide receivers. They're all they they have six guys that are playable. Like the Eagles have, you know, four. Um, so if, you know, they do have a number of guys that, that are, that are banged up like uh, Kadarius Tony's banged up. Juju Smith Schuster is banged up. Smith Schuster is their um, most productive wide receiver. 900 something yards, only three touchdowns. So it's not a, the scary group that McCole Harmon, by the way, won't play. He's mm-hmm. sort of their speed guy. Uh, I shouldn't say he won't play, but any reason said he, he most likely won't play. Um, so we'll see, you know, how healthy those guys are heading into this game. But it ain't, it's not the same scary Chiefs offense that it was when they had Tyreek Hill, who obviously they traded for a bunch of draft picks this past offseason. I think this is the least scary Chiefs offense that we've seen in the last five or so years. I mean, this is a team that's been to the Super Bowl twice in the last, it was since Patrick Mahomes became the starter five years ago. They've been to... Uh, the AFC championship game, at least in each of the last five years. So it's a very battle tested, very experienced playoff team. Uh, but yeah, it's, but, but like I said, I think it's, it's uh, the least scary of their, of their offenses because of that, um, you know, cause they're missing Tyreek Hill who, you know, NFL coaches like to say, makes you defend every blade of grass on the field. So yeah, no, there's no question about it that the Eagles focus will be on slowing down, uh, Travis Kelsey, and they're coming off a week where they had to game plan heavily for a guy like George Kittle. So maybe there's an advantage there. But um, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they go about handling Travis Kelsey and uh, how the Chiefs go about you know trying to slow down uh, Hassan Reddick. But I, I think those are two good points that you make there. That um, it, like it, the, those two guys offensively for the Chiefs. You know how do you slow that? How do you slow him down without also taking your biggest playmakers? You know, uh, at, sort of out of the equation in the passing game. We're talking about Jimmy Kemsky covers the Eagles for the Philly Voice, and uh, so so let me give you just this uh, just a fun question, and, and it is uh, how as the favorite as the better team, how will how can the Eagles lose this game? What would have to happen for them to lose the game? Yeah, I think the easy answer is turnovers, but that's sort of a cop out. <laughs> I mean, that's, obviously turnovers are a big deal, um, but you know they can't do that, and. Um, yeah, I think uh, if it's if Travis Kelsey just goes off on them during that the end of the year, there were wide there were, excuse me there were tight ends that were just getting wide open uh, against this defense, and that was at a time where they didn't have uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson or Vontae Maddox. So I think they were asking maybe Kaiser White at linebacker to do a little bit more than he was capable of doing. So that's a concern, I guess, but maybe mitigated to some degree with Maddox. Well. Certainly Johnson Gardner being back and Maddox also probably being available for this game as well. Um, I think the other thing is um, 
we over we think about you know the Eagles pass rush having 70 sacks this season the Chiefs have 55 and most years 55 sacks leads the NFL and it didn't this year because the Eagles had 70 <laughs> so uh they don't have they Chris Jones is an absolute star player when we he was one of the three finalists for defensive player of the year along with Nick Bosa and uh, Michael Parsons I think Chris Jones should win it he's that good and they move him all over the line. If you have a weakness along your off- along your offensive line, they'll put him in that spot. The Eagles don't have that weakness necessarily, but uh, that is a guy that can also wreck a game. So, you know, offensively, that's that's the guy that, that they got a key on. But yeah, if there if there if something goes wrong in this game, then I would imagine that Chris Jones has his hand in it. Let's talk about your career a little bit. Every time we have a, a journalist on on the podcast, I, I really like to get into to the background uh, of uh, how how they've uh, arrived at this spot. So mm-hmm. you're a late comer to the business, right? Tell tell me about how you actually got not only in the business but to, to cover the Eagles. Yeah, I think uh, anyone that doesn't know who I am when they heard the intro to this show, like I've like we said, I've, I've just started in you know uh, excuse me, 2013. You might think I'm like you know some. 30 year old I'm 45 so like I'm uh I'm not I'm not a spring chicken um I was in sales for 10 years before I got into this business I always knew I could write like I went to school for you know in communications radio tv film and at that time I sort of wanted to write movies but you can't do that and make money for the first two three years of getting into that career so it was either you know get a sales job and be out on my own or make no money and live with my parents. And I chose the former on that one. So uh, I wound up just being in various sales jobs for, for 10 years. And I was decent enough at it. I wasn't great. Uh, but I knew I didn't like it. <laughs> and I knew I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. And I knew that I could write a little bit. I loved football, of course. So um, I had you know run into a little bit of bad luck with, with two companies that, that I worked for in sales, where they both essentially went out of business. And, you know, I've, and at some point I realized and this is the wrong way to put it to say fail, but if you're going to fail um, doing something, you may as well fail doing something that you want to do as opposed to something that you don't. So at that point, you know, after the second business had gone out of business, then uh, I kind of decided to, you know, go heavy into uh, trying to break into this business. And it took a long time. Like it took, you know, almost two years to even get a shot, which initially was with Philly with, was with Philly.com. Of course, the online site then, for both the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News, uh, which were still kind of operating on their own. And they gave me a shot. They let me cover training camp. And uh, at the end of training camp, they, they gave me a, an offer, very low money, <laughs> to, to work there full time. And I was there for about a year and a half before landing with Philly Voice. So that's the real short, short version of sort of, sort of how I got into this business uh, as late as I did. Uh, but yeah, M- Matt Romanowski was was uh, the, the editor at the time at Philly.com, and he gave me a shot. So basically, I owe, owe my career to to him bringing me aboard. How did you approach the getting? Uh, how did you pitch that you 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 uh, were were qualified and, and worthy and and, and for an expert for the job? So I started my own blog, and it covered the uh, the NFC East. Uh, so it covered all four teams. And that was my resume. So like my resume was blank in terms of, you know, experience in this business. So I had to make something else, my resume, and it was my website. And I could, I, I could show articles that I had written um, as opposed to just, oh, I love sports and uh, you should hire me because I like, I want to do this and blah, blah, blah. And like, no, here's my work. And, and here are the, here are the number. I hear my Google analytics here. Here's the the, the readership that I've grown over this, you know, past two, two years or whatever. And, um, 
that on a bigger platform, you can maybe imagine how those numbers would be, uh, the, the growth would be substantially higher. Uh, you know, the difference between me growing this blog from absolutely nothing to an established place where, you know, I could maybe grow my readership at a, at a substantially higher rate. And I think, um, you know, Matt Romanowski, as I, as I mentioned, understood that dynamic. Uh, but yeah, you can't just try to get into this business by saying, yeah, I like to write and I know a lot about sports and I'm okay, good at it, blah, blah, blah. You have to show that you can, um, you know, actually do the job. And I also tried to find little niches that nobody else was covering. So I had to give my, my, my feeling was, why would anybody read me instead of Sheil Kapadia, instead of Jeff McLean, Zach Berman? So I had to come up with little niche areas of, of that nobody else was covering one of them was like, you know, compensatory picks, for example. Nobody knows crap about those. So that was sort of one thing that I glommed on to. Uh, you know, another thing was, uh, you know, like the stick figures that I draw. That was sort of a way to, to kind of draw people in. But I just tried to find any unique sort of angle to give people a reason to not replace the Jeff McLeans or the Shilkapatis of the world, but also to read me, too. And uh, I think that's where I was able to successful in, in, in being able to break in. Yeah, they, they, one of your niches. I mean, the stick figure animation was a, was a tremendous idea because I, I, you got a lot of reaction f- f- from that, and people really seem to like that. Yeah, I got to actually give credit to Zoo with Roy was the one who originally came up with sort of the stick figure. He's a, he was a uh, was I guess a um, a Phillies blogger back in the day, and I was like, oh yeah, I can do that too. So I got I, I ripped it off a little bit from from Zoo with Roy. He, you know, he and I are, are boys or whatever. So I think he's fine with that. But uh, yeah, but uh, I, again, like I said, it was just anything I could do to to sort of differentiate myself. Um, and and like I said, re- also read me, not replace. And uh, that's what I was able to do. Uh, it's it, it our so our producer for this podcast is uh, Darren Degatano, and you and Darren yep. went went to school together in, in Jersey, and uh, um, Darren Jimmy actually did a stick figure of me once. I don't even know if you, if you know this. <laughs> oh, uh, this was but, animated too. Yeah, it was an animated stick figure. Uh, you remember that that Josh Innes, who was in town as a sports talk radio host, right there. I actually uh, decided to get up. Well, first of all, I had an indoor training session softball with my my daughters. I I came in. I sat down. I'm seeing all this. I went nah. I'm going into the garage and cleaning my. I chose to clean my garage instead of watching nothing on television. Yeah, he, yeah. So. So uh, we were. Uh, I was at the Eagles uh, uh, practice, training camp practice, and uh, I guess Jimmy was with the writers in the in the stands, and he was witness to a, a little confrontation where I kind of went after. Innes. Oh, that's a hearty scoop. Yeah. So 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 tell me, like Jimmy, tell me how you portrayed that. Yeah. So I was there, and um, I was up. Like you said, there's there's steps that kind of go up to they actually pretty much lead up to like Howie Roseman's office. You can't get to it. There's a gate there. You can't like go over the gate or whatever. Uh, But I was up on, you know, up on that platform to be able to see on the far field. And like my attention was distracted to something that was going on the sideline. I don't know. It was like, cause everyone there was like, Oh, oh, look at that right there. And it was Ennis and you, you know, sort of going at each other a little bit, like, you know, kind of jawing back and forth. And you gave him a little, I wouldn't say you went after him, but you gave him a little head fake sort of, and he backed, he like very quickly backed off and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't know how, how many years older you are than him and how much lighter you are than him, but he looked very cowardly being younger and much bigger, sort of backing off off a little head fake. So I drew this like you know, animated thing where I showed you do the little head fake 
and then uh and then i had you know josh peeing himself yes uh, like, <laughs> and, and, uh, he didn't he didn't i know he didn't like that yeah uh, and I, so i went back to the studio that day not thinking that anybody noticed that at all it was just between us and then uh so that that hit and i get all sort of all these inquiries by my program director i walk into, in, into the studio he goes what happened between you and us today he goes look here's this animation so, so, I, so I, I had to tell the story you know that guy uh I, radio's radio right that yeah. guy was saying personal stuff about me on the air so he wandered over to me that day as if nothing happened I mean, you got a lot of balls coming over to me trying to be friendly yeah he goes what are you talking about and so like that's how it escalated uh but anyway that was uh yeah i i made i made the jimmy kemsky uh, uh animation uh, track which i was there you go. kind of proud of <laughs> all right so so uh jimmy as we uh you know like this this like well, i'm curious when you got into business you're doing the blog like how are you financially supporting yourself because i i assume like when you're starting something like that the money's not exactly flowing yeah it wasn't i was making no money like I was, there was no income for like almost two years uh i you know saved up having been in sales for 10 years so i had you know a savings account and whatnot but but yeah it was rough going and if i hadn't gotten in and there were times along the way where i was like well if i don't get in these are like two years completely wasted of my life and then if i try to go back into sales i'm gonna have to explain what this two-year gap is and the answer isn't like the answer of oh i tried to become a a a sports writer (laughs) like interviewers aren't gonna go oh well okay well let's hire this guy then (laughs) you know so uh yeah there was it was a big gamble to to try to do that and get in. And I was fortunate enough to, to catch some breaks along the way, but yeah, there was no income. There was nothing. I, I, I mean, I, I collected unemployment for like six months because my company had gone out of business. Uh, but yeah, otherwise it was, uh, it, it was, it was definitely a risk and, and, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that, that, that it paid off. It's a really good story. I'm curious to know whether you uh, do speaking any speaking engagements and tell that story and how, how whether you've impacted uh, other people. It's a it's a different way to start anymore, but um, the, the avenues are open. You, you got to work it to the point where you get to a spot. But um, I think you're like a really good story. Thank so you, appreciate have that. you had any influence on people? I've never done any speaking engagements about that. I've done them before, but not specifically on that. I had always kind of thought about. Because I get approached all the time about you know aspiring uh, writers or whatever. There was a there was a Washington football team writer back in the he he passed away. His name was Rich Tandler, and he had sort of a, a similar way to get into the business as I did, where he had his own blog. And then I forget who hired him. I want to say it was NBC Washington uh, hired him, and and he wound up working there for a number of years before he passed away. So he took the time to sort of um, you know give me advice on how to break into the business. So anytime anyone approaches me about that, I always try to take some time and and give them tips or, you know, ask, answer whatever questions uh, they may have about getting in. So as far as speaking engagements go, no, uh, but I, I always kind of had the idea of maybe writing a book, maybe not necessarily specifically about me, but talk to other uh, people, beat writers for the Eagles, other, you know, um, you know, journalists that, that, that. And, and sort of get all of their stories on how they broke into the business. And that way, like people that are trying to get into the business, they just have a book to read and they can see all the different ways that, that people got in. And, and, uh, and that might be targeted to a very small audience, I guess. Uh, but uh, it is something that I, that I've always kind of thought about doing. 
And, uh, you know, I've included my story in there, obviously, as well. But there's there's a lot of different ways that you can get into this business, you know, whether it be just going to a four year college, taking journalism classes for, for those four years and then, you know, covering high school sports and then college sports and then pro sports. And what you know, that's sort of the traditional route. But there are a lot of other ways that you can get in. Yeah, it's an example of how you, how you can really uh, market yourself and, and the avenues are, are different. I had one avenue like when I started out. I mean, I'm, I started out schlepping around and, and, and covering high school games at, at smaller newspapers for $12,000 a year. So, uh, yeah, there was only one way to do it. And then you climbed up and Sports Talk Radio wasn't even a thought in our head. It just evolved that way. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of kids that come out now they want to get involved in sports like radio because they know sports. They think they know sports and you want to go in, into a major market without paying any dues. And it's so much more these days. You have to know about so many other things to make yourself more diverse. Uh, and so your life experience really, I think, helped you get, get an entry point into this. The sales background didn't hurt, too, in terms of being able to sell myself. Essentially, I'd been selling products for 10 years, but, you know, I had sort of I knew how. I, I essentially knew how to be persistent without being super annoying. <laughs> so I think that was helpful in, in, in getting uh, people's attention as well. You know, when I was a writer, I had no personality. It's amazing. <laughs> like, no, you, I think that the idea is you, you brought it up. If you know how to write, you can do so many things in this business. And you know, uh, because you can relate to people and you can, uh, your interviewing skills uh, sharpen you and, uh, it's so much more than, than, you know, just knowing sports, you, you do have to uh, add those other aspects. Yeah. And the opposite, the opposite is true too. You don't want to be all personality and not know your stuff on the other stuff too. So you got to have a sort of a good balance of those two things. Jimmy, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Have a, have a great weekend, a week. I know you're going to be busy. So, uh, are you ready for a prediction at this point? I haven't. Yeah, I'll write one on Friday, but I'm heavily, I mean, as you can tell, I'm heavily leaning Eagles here. Uh, I just think they have a much better team. Okay. So, uh, do they cover? I do think they cover. I think the line is only what is it only one and a half point and a half. Everyone's used to the Chiefs being here. They're not. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles were here five years ago, but in the interim, not so much. So I think they're just used to the. Oh, this team's awesome, and they have Patrick Mahomes, and this team's kind of just coming up. And I think that affects the line. I think the line should probably be closer to like three, three and a half. All right, sounds good, Jimmy Kemsky, Philly voice. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it. All right, guys, take care. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty, our thanks to Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice covering the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Well, the Super Bowl is actually in a warm weather climate, and you know that's kind of situations. It's nice to be a journalist when you're in warm weather climate, when you've got all this time to ferret out stories. That's the reward of being a journalist. All right, let me. Uh, let's go. We haven't talked Sixers a lot in this podcast for obvious reasons the Eagles have dominated the attention and we're going to be uh, getting the focus on the Sixers as we come down the home stretch here and also some March Madness stuff that's coming up as college basketball gets really excited what's the Sixers last night I gotta be honest with you if I had bet the game I'm going I would have bet a zillion dollars on the Sixers why because the Knicks are in a back-to-back situation and they had played in overtime the night before and uh, Jalen Brunson, who's become a much better NBA player than I ever thought possible, had 41 in that overtime game. In other words, a lot of spent bullets. The Sixers take a 21-point lead, and they lose in the Garden. The Knicks have not won a game this year where they trail going into the fourth quarter. The Knicks are the team that has more energy than the Sixers. Now, it's one game in a long season, right? So it really doesn't matter. 
I am shocked because I would have bet a million dollars if I had actually thought about it that the Sixers would win that game. To lose to the Knicks in a back-to-back after the Knicks had played in overtime the night before and were missing their second-best player in R.J. Barrett was an astounding loss for me with the Sixers. And it'll wipe away because the thing about the NBA, there's always another game. But the uh, NBA's real story this weekend was the Kyrie Irving drama. All of a sudden, last week, he comes out and demands a trade. And I have to laugh because these kind of things don't even phase me anymore in the NBA, which in a lot of ways morphs into the WWE with the the circus environment that they get into with these players. And it's it's amusing uh, uh, for me at at this particular time. And I'm trying to look at it from both sides, right? We all know what Kyrie Irving is. In fact, uh, I call him, uh, this is all due respect because he just passed away, but Kyrie Irving is every bit the David Crosby of professional basketball, where his talents are just so welcome to the band and he make beautiful music music for a while, but eventually he's going to fuck the band up. And so that's what happens with Kyrie Irving. He does it all the time. Here's where my focus is, though. Nets fans. You know, you have got you guys have been so insufferable about the things the Nets have put together. You've already counted your chickens to a championship when, when they put Harden together. When they made the deal for Harden first with KD and Kyrie, oh my God, the super team who's going to stop that? Well, that blew up, right? Because Harden goes, oh, I don't want to be. There's something about that that environment that's toxic. So Harden gets out. Now you get Ben Simmons. Oh, my God, Ben's going to finally find it. Look at this. It's the perfect complimentary player for Kyrie and for and for KD. Look at me. Now, that blows up. And all of a sudden, Kyrie takes a match to the Dynamite, and he blows that up. And they're sitting there with, with their, their cool yoons in their hand, and they got Spencer Dinwiddie and a bunch of draft picks now, right? Like, I have to laugh. All these Nets fans who bombarded social media. Oh, Nets, look at this Nets team. They put it together. And this Kyrie, that son of a gun just blows it up. Now, if I look at his position, I go, I got to get a contract here, right? They're taking me down the road. Let me mess things up for them. I go, and uh, guess what? I want to be traded. You had plenty of time to get this contract extension out. And uh, I'm, I'm for me. Uh, because in the NBA, you're no longer for the team. I mean, you're you're an independent contractor. You're all for you. If by chance it blends to a championship, then then you win. But all these guys are just so me, 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 that you kind of got to expect this is going to happen. They didn't want to give him a long-term extension. He blows them up. Now, he's going to make Dallas better, right? If they figure out a way where Luku dominates the ball, Kyrie who dominates the ball, can actually play together, they're going to be better. They're not championship better. But then what happens to that team at the end of the year when he says, you know, I don't like it here in Dallas. I like to go somewhere else. I mean, this is this is like hysterical to me. You know, these things happen, and they shock people. Oh, look at this. Oh my God. And I go, it's the NBA. It happens almost every day in the NBA. It's a beautiful product to watch. I love it because the athleticism has never been higher. But these things you have to like allow for almost that a guy who's not going to be happy one day. It only takes one day. Forget about a whole season. I'm not happy today. I want to get traded. <laughs> it's hysterical. All right. So that's my NBA slant uh, for today. Sixers and the Kyrie Irving thing. So let's now move on to Mike Unleashed, which is kind of like a variation of what I just did. Because I'm going to unleash myself on various other sports topics and some some TV topics, some modern culture stuff, all, all this kind of thing. So 
Um, let's start with the, the day of boredom that I suffered yesterday. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny when you're used to a routine where sports are on and everything is on is interesting. Like there's always a football game, but it's not a football game. And, and there's this lull to, to the Super Bowl. You really squirm for sports entertainment on TV, right? So I'm looking around yesterday and I got ugats. I got nothing to watch. Here's what I land on. PBA bowling on Fox. I put on the bowling and I go, you know, when I was a little kid, I bowled in a league. I remember I used to watch it on ABC. It was Chris Schenkel was the announcer and they had all these bowling stars back in the day. So I zero in on bowling. And I, I, what I realized is that bowlers are different these days. Back in the day, the bowlers used to have that uh, that twelve o'clock to six o'clock delivery. They would take it straight back, and they would they would roll it down. These guys now are two handed bowlers. They kind of put their fingers in the hole, but they cup the ball with their other hand, and they take it back like it's a golf swing, and then they swirl it down the lane, and it's got this monster curve on it. And that's the way they figured, like, ball speed and curvature and spin rate and all the stuff that you see in baseball with pitchers and analytics is now in bowling. And I was enthralled. And, and it's the U.S. Open, and this guy named uh, Troop, he's got this big uh, Caucasian afro type of thing. And this guy is the fifth seed. Now he's got to then beat the four seed, the third seed, and the two seed to get to the one seed. And the one seed sitting back here eating Doritos. And this guy's sweating his ass off trying to beat all these competitors. He finally gets to the finals. And then he runs out of gas in the, in, in the, in the championship game. Bowling entertained me yesterday as opposed to what else was on TV. Oh my God. I turn on like Pebble Beach. The Pro-Am was on. But it, the whole thing had been messed up. The timing of it had been messed up. So I, t- I put it on at that time, and it's the guy who has no chance to win. The leaders aren't going to tee off until 5 o'clock. So I got to be out on that. And then I land on uh, the, the Penn State-Nebraska basketball game. Oh, and Big Ten Network, Penn State-Nebraska. Penn State is overachieving this year. They got a chance to be the sixth team in the Big Ten to get into the tournament. They get smoked by Nebraska. Not only that, but a Little Japanese kid beats him. A kid from Japan who's 5'10", who in Japan is called the Steph Curry of Japan, rings him for 30, and Nebraska beats Penn State. I'm stunned by it. So then I put on the Pro Bowl, and I'm seeing flag football, and I'm seeing seeing contests, and I'm going, what the F is happening today? I got nothing. And then finally, it was the Sixers losing to the Knicks. What a day devoid of television. Darren, I know you were suffering the same circumstances yesterday. I actually uh, decided to get up. Well, first of all, I had an indoor training session, softball with my, my daughters. I, I came in. I sat down. I'm seeing all this. I went, no, nah, I'm going into the garage and cleaning my – I chose to clean my garage instead of watching nothing on television. Hey, listen, it's cold outside. I don't go outside when it's cold. Sometimes I go out in the backyard to play with the dog. Well, I like to nestle in. I made myself some beef barley soup. I'm going to be nestle oh, that's in a for some Sunday afternoon TV. It's a great time to watch TV. And and I, I, the best I could do was bowling. I like that they now have analytics in bowling. That's ridiculous. Well, this is the best <laughs> that Fox can do. Fox, the best that Fox can do is bowling. Wait, the, bowling was on Fox? It was on Fox. Like, major afternoon television was on Fox. I'm used to watching the NFL, Fox. I got bowling. 
I thought you were going to tell me it was like ESPN 7. But I did like bowling. I tell you, back in the day, I had a buddy. His name was Danny. We grew up together. And he was a bowler. And so we get into this league. So Saturday mornings, my parents would take us to the bowling alley. And I got, I had my own ball. I got it for Christmas where they had to measure the holes and they drill it for you. It was a blue swirl ball, man. I was, all, <laughs> I, was I was heavily into it. But, you know, bowling is interesting because I'm out on bowling, dude. It, it's like uh, uh, like if you get an open frame, like you can't you can't expect to get an open frame. These guys never get open frame. Once you get an open frame, you're dead. You get one open frame in this and you're dead. And, and so these guys are doing the same thing that I used to do. You know, I had the four pins split. There's two on the left. There's two on the right. It's an impossible thing to me. You can't possibly make it. I'm going, how do these professional bowlers get that? That's me. I get that. Uh, all right. So anyway, let's let's move on. Let's talk about some TV here. Uh, two things I want to talk about. The first thing is a great documentary that I stumbled across on Showtime. And I covered college basketball for Philadelphia Inquirer in the late 80s into the early 90s. And at that time, there was this superstar out there who played for LSU. And then Shaq joined, and then Stanley Roberts joined. They had two seven-footers in this guy. And his name was Chris Jackson. And he would then become Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. And I don't know if you remember him, but this guy was Steph Curry before there was Steph Curry. The documentary is called Stand. And it was uh, how this guy had his career blackballed, much like Colin Kaepernick. He was Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick. He, he converted to, to Islam, and then he didn't stand during a game for the anthem. It was blown up at Denver Sports Talk Radio. He played for the Denver Nuggets, and he became a national pariah to the point where it destroyed his whole career, basically. He was a great, great player. He was a dominant six-foot-one guard who had all the moves. With, he was a brilliant shooter. This, I mean, I don't know if you remember him, Darren. Do you remember Abdul Roof? I remember him. I don't remember the whole uh, not-standing issue. Okay, so the circumstances were he did not stand for the anthem because – he, you know, just like Colin Kaepernick, you know, he was he was sticking up for rights. It was like his way for uh, a protest, and nobody backed him. His teammates didn't back him. His coach was Bernie Bickerstaff. He didn't back him. The league really made him a pariah, and, uh, and he he wound up he he had a great NBA career, which could have been longer. But he wound up buying. He was from Mississippi, Gulfport, Mississippi. He wound up buying a house in Gulf, Gulfport, Mississippi, and and the, it was burned down by racists. He bought this big uh, 50-acre property with a big uh, uh, house on it, and it was burned down by racists. And, and now this guy, this guy is a truth speaker. If you see him speak in this documentary, you'll really be impressed with this guy. In fact, he's going to be in Wilmington, Delaware, speaking at some library this week, and I think I'm going to go see him. That's how much this documentary impressed me. So if you get a chance, Showtime documentary, it's called Stand. And it's on uh, Mahmoud Ra- uh, Abdul Raouf, who was just, and it'll remind you how great of a player this guy was. This guy was flat unstoppable. Nobody could stop him. The moves with the basketball, he was Steph Curry, and and and, and just uh, uh, with the range of Steph Curry, it's, it's a shame that people forget about how good this guy was. He was a brilliant basketball player. He drafted third overall, which tells you something at, at six foot tall that he was drafted third overall. Uh, all right, so let's stay with the Showtime theme because uh, what I realize now on Sunday nights, I'm missing something. 
there used to be something really good on Sunday nights. And I would tune in. With always Sunday night, 9 o'clock, there was something good on. Uh, Showtime, HBO, I relied on these shows. One of the shows that I, uh, I got into last year was called Your Honor. And it was, it was a show about Brian Cranston, uh, Tim Watley, back in Seinfeld days. And he was a judge in New Orleans. And the first season was kind of compelling. Uh, and it, it hooked me a little bit. It was, uh, I thought it was a pretty good show. This season is absolute garbage. Like, I can't believe the same writers could come back with a show that was so good the first year and so bad the second year. So I don't know if anybody has seen this. Anybody feels the same way about it. Did you watch Your Honor last year, Darren? I I watched it last year. It was a good show. Not great. Uh, Their filming was affected by the pandemic. They were uh, filming when when it first hit at its peak. In fact, they incorporated it into the storyline, if you remember, a little bit um, with with uh, some of the, the jury wearing masks and talking about it a little bit. I can't believe it's the same set of writers <laughs> from last year because I completely agree with you. This It's just nonsense this year. Um, I almost feel like it's silly. It's gotten silly and ridiculous. Yeah. And like, like Cranston is such a dynamic speaker when he acts. Like the first, what is, what are we in like three or four episodes in? I could probably count on one hand how many lines he's had. He doesn't speak a lot because of the condition the character is in right now. And, but it's just, it's bizarre. There's a whole, it's just, it's, it's nonsense. It's scrambled eggs. I really, it, it really is. I'm so disappointed because now I have to abandon it. I got to let it go. So I'm Jones for these new shows and I'm seeing this acclaim for this Apple uh, TV show called Shrinking. And uh, it's about uh, uh, Harrison Ford's in it. And uh, the guy that was in uh, Saving Sarah Marshall, I always forget his name. Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. And this is another show I'm going to try this week. Yeah, and, and it's getting all that's acclaim. And I watched the first four episodes, and I'm going, really? Like, what? Like, please, somebody save me with a good show. Really? Is there any good shows you can recommend out here right now? I'm trying to think what I'm watching right now. I'm literally, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm re-watching a show with my daughter. I'm watching the X-Files again. From beginning to end, because my daughter's into that stuff. And there's not a whole lot going on right now. Like, this is a week to catch up on shows. I used to rely on these great shows. The Wire, uh, Narcos, uh, The Sopranos. You know, I just they, they delivered one after another. And now it looks like we're just scrambling around with these storylines. And there's nothing that... that uh, of substance anymore. I, I forget where I where I read this, but somebody made a pretty good point. With a lot of these shows now, regardless of what streaming service they're on, there like there there's maybe eight to ten episodes per season anymore with these dramas. You get you get two really good, well written episodes, two complete junk ones, and then there's two where just kind of you know passing by, like they're just killing time. I, I watched. I tried The Last of Us. Um, which is with Pedro Pascal. He's the uh, it's it's a zom- I'm I'm over the zombie theme. And yeah, I can't. Sh- I, that 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 stuff never interests me anyway. And it seems like every show has that kind of theme to it. So I'm I'm really devo- I'm really suffering right now, man. So somebody help me out. Yeah, Sunday nights have, are gone. Yeah. They used to be the night. All right, the now TV do you watch night. the Grammys? They were on last night. No. 
I do not watch award show. I don't watch the Grammys either because I'm not interested. I like I don't listen to pop music. Yeah, I, the last time I watched the Grammys, I didn't know anybody who won. I didn't understand. I didn't recognize any names, so they're not for me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I know there's the, the industry is 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 loaded with with pop and and new stars and all that kind of stuff. Beyonce obviously won a lot last night, but the the big whisper was that Madonna came out. She looks like she's wearing a mask. Good lord, girl. <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing to yourself? Uh, and that's and that was the reaction last night from yeah. Madonna. She's spooking people. Grow old Come gracefully. Girl. Come on. All right. All right. That's uh, that's Mike Unleashed for today. So uh, now it is time for three questions for Mike. Darren. All right. Three questions, Mike. We're going to start off first question. Super Bowl related. Andy Reid. Mike, where would you rank Andy Reid, as an all-time coach, right? Just an NFL coach. Is he a top five guy, top ten guy? Where, where would you put You know, him? it's really a good question. He's a top ten guy. I, I don't know if he's a top five guy. If he wins another Super Bowl, I guess you'd have to consider it. But, you know, the names that pop up when you think about the coaching is uh, is Belichick and and, and Madden and, and Parcells and uh, uh, obviously Vince Lombardi and uh, Bill Walsh, guys like that. Is he in that top five? I don't know. He he could very well be. I, I just have an Andy Reid taint because he uh, he was a, a coach for a lot of years and didn't win anything out here. And, uh, you know, I remember at the time I was analyzing his career and he had been the Eagles coach for all of 12 years, maybe even more. And there was only one other coach who was allowed to coach that long who hadn't won anything. And that was Jeff Fisher. So, like, I, I take some points off for that. But but I guess, like, if I was in Kansas City, I probably would think he's a top five coach of all time. Jeff Fisher, by the way, career 500 record, and yet he coached for that long. And and coached the 16 years. Yeah. 16 or 17 years as a head coach. He was the only guy out there who had coached longer than Andy Reid without winning anything. Okay, that's question number one. Question number two, Mike, you, you saw it yesterday. It's flag football. It's best catch. It's dodgeball. I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know. The NFL is trying desperately to save the Pro Bowl. Give me one way. what? Just one way to save the Pro Bowl or whatever they, they're calling it these days, the Pro Bowl games. <laughs> one way. Uh, th- uh, listen, I can't save the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I actually watched some of the flag football game yesterday. It, it's a needless exercise. And I know the league wants to do something, but it, it's it's now just a needless exercise. It's it's foolish. And, and you know, maybe you have skills competition. That's interesting. I actually watched, believe it or not, on Saturday, the uh, NHL skills competition. Or was it Friday night? Wh- whatever it was. I've never seen a sillier thing than the NHL skills competition, <laughs> right? Like, they have guys coming out performing, like doing skits and being judged on the skit. What? Like, David Pasternak came, came out, and he did an imitation of Happy Gilmore. Like, that was the skill. Was it a talent contest? Yeah, yeah they, had, they had a talent contest. I'm <laughs> on. Knock, one of the great players in the league, comes out with a happy Gilmore imitation. And I'm going, what, what am I, what, what are they doing? What is, what is happening? Like, like this, I get the speed skating thing, which is fun. I get the breaking the plates in the corners of the net. I, I get it. They have a talent contest. Well, is this to humanize their players? I, oh, my God. All right. Well, anyway. Yeah. So I. It sounds like the only way to, to uh, one way to save the Pro Bowl is to eliminate. If you got to do right? something, the flag football is a better idea than to have, have the actual game. So, like, I get it. Those guys, they, without the fear of getting hit, those guys actually exhibit some athleticism. 
they don't play f- afraid. It's like it's like you're back in the school. You are playing flag football, which I think brings back their kid like instincts. So, uh, but I would eliminate it entirely. There's no need for it. I mean, it. if you're gonna do that, just have them play like softball or something because it's a totally different game. Yeah, nobody watches it anymore either. So it's not like they can they can I sell agree. it. It's, it's a shame too. But all right. So third question. Here we go. Question number three. Give me a magazine that you would uh, a magazine w- was so great in its heyday that you would bring back in its heyday. Because I know you and I both uh, used to read a lot of magazines when they're around. Give me one that you would bring back in its heyday. Well, uh, listen, I, I was a, a yearly subscriber to Sports Illustrated since I was a little kid. And my mom would keep renewing the the subscription for me because she knew I was interested in it. But there was also an underrated magazine that had longer features where I kind of l- cut my teeth on knowing how to write and how to be a sports writer. Sport Magazine. Way back in the day, there was Sport Magazine and there was there was Sports Illustrated. And and Sport was a little more substance, you know, longer story. Sports Illustrated was more happening. Uh, I would bring back Sport Magazine. That's a great answer. But nobody has the patience or time to sit there and read a lengthy story anymore. So it's just that our our attention span has gotten minuscule. So uh, it probably would not work. That's a great answer. I think Rolling Stone is another one I would uh, I, I, I love reading in its heyday as well. And that's what I actually try to model for the people that remember the fan magazine, which I created. I was the editor-in-chief, and I would hire writers to write interesting feature stories, to get deeper and write longer features on people because I thought that was more interesting than just a fluff piece. And that was from my uh, influence from Sport Magazine growing up as a child. There you go. That's three questions for Mikey Miss. All right. And that all about ended for today. Podcast number 51 brought to us by Bet Rivers. Don't forget to download that Bet Rivers app. I've been using it a lot. I've hit like 11 of my last 13 bets. And most of those are in college basketball. And I rung the bell this weekend for Indiana outright over Purdue. Right. Uh, so I, I'm magic at college basketball only because the line tells me so. And the line is out of whack. Like Indiana was minus one in that game against number one Purdue. Now that's, that's what I'm talking about when the line talks to you. So I took advantage of it, but you got to get the bet rivers app and you can just scroll down the games and bet. And usually what I do is I bet the money line and just forget about that damn point spread and come up with the uh, outright winner. You can get in touch with me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. That's my email address. I love to hear from people. Check me out on Twitter at, uh, Mike miss two five. And, uh, I guess that's about it. What else? We, oh, one other thing. And on Valentine's Day, it's occurred to me. Like, I do shout-outs for people on a, 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 a venue called Cameo. Go to Cameo.com, C-A-M-E-O. I've been doing this for the last couple of years where I, I give – if you want a shout-out, you want a pep talk, uh, you want uh, you know, a birthday wish, I do it. I, and I give you my heart when I do it. And I, I, you, you just go to cameo.com. You plug in my name and I'll give you a shout out. A lot of people have occurred to me, Mike, you always give a great message of love. So if you're a guy out there, you're all thumbs. You want me to give a message to your sweetheart uh, or, or just, you know, wish uh, if you're a female and you, you want to you know, get, get to, uh, an idea on how, what you should do for your for your, uh, your guy on Valentine's Day, I- I'll give you advice. Anything you want. It's an interesting little venue called Cameo.com, and uh, you- I'll give you a shout-out. There you go. I think you giving a nice message of love would be a nice treat on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'll give you a message of love. 
for you guys with seven thumbs when it comes to that. I give a little message of love for you, make you look good. Everybody have a great uh, rest of the day. We're going to come at you a few times this week as we lead up to the big game, Eagles and Chiefs. Have fun, everybody. Talk to you later. Mike Miss, I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.